0: Uh, we are going to start in the book of Genesis, chapter two, uh, verse number eighteen. You know, God was uh, creating the world, and He put all these uh, plant, this big plan, into motion. And he created the the sun and the moon and the stars and the grass and the animals, and He created all of these things. and And then He decided to create man. And God created man, and He put him in this perfect garden. In Genesis two eighteen, it says. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, this is true for a variety of reasons. Those little kids on that video told the truth, right? It's good for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love kids. Don't you love kids? They're so funny. That was so good, Preston and Sterling. It was awesome. So God says, I'm going to make a helper who is just right for him i love this that god created male and female and his desire is for us to work together he didn't say i'm going to create a doer or i'm not going to create someone to serve him i'm going to call someone create someone to help him we were created in life to help one another to serve one another if i called you over to help me move my couch I didn't call you over to move my couch alone. I call you, called you over to pick up your end as I picked up my end. And so when God created man, he created woman because he knew man doesn't need to do life by themselves. We at Celebration Church believe that we're better together, and it's very true. The enemy would like to isolate us. He would like to get us discouraged, depressed, offended, get us alone, secluded. Because if he can seclude us and get us away from each other, we have no strength. We have no one to stand beside us, no one to help us. We are called to help each other. So God decides, he says, I, this man, he needs someone to help him. I want them to be a team. Today we're gonna talk about a story in the Bible There's so many women that you could pick from to talk about on this Mother's Day. Um, But we're going to pick up this story in 1 Samuel 25. And the title of my message is, Thank God for a Woman. I want you all to say that. Say, Thank God for a Woman. I am so thankful for the woman in this place. I can say, Thank God for a woman who stands in praise. I thank God for a woman who stands and fights for her family. Thank God for a woman who prays. Thank God for a woman who stands and and is everything that God has created her to be. Thank God for a woman. Now, we're going to read this story uh, in the Bible. It's a Bible story. And it's 1 Samuel chapter 25. And it's about a woman. Her name is Abigail. Y'all heard of Abigail? Abigail where you're about ready to. <laughs> in 1 Samuel chapter 25, and then we're gonna, I'm going to give you a few points, and then you can be on your merry way. Happy Mother's Day. Go get your gifts. Take your pictures. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse number 2, it says, There was a wealthy man from Moan who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, And his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. She not only had the beauty, she had the brains. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. When David had heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace, prosperity to you, to your family, and everything you own. I'm told that it's sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. He says, ask your own men. They'll tell you that that's true. So would you please be so kind to us? Since we've come at a time of celebration, please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and then they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There's lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal said. Well, this made David mad. He says, Get your swords, as he strapped on his own. says, Then 400 men started off with David, 200 men stayed behind to guard their equipment. It says, meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and he told her, hey, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us. We never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time that they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep, He says, you, telling telling Abigail, you need to know this, and you need to figure out what to do. For there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. So, so far we have this beautiful, wise woman married to this cruel, evil man. David, who had been running, who had already been, you know, anointed, oil had been promised that he was going to be king uh, in the future, he was at that time running from Saul. He was running for his life. Saul was trying to kill him. So being the leader that he was, he had a bunch of followers that were following. He had this little army that went around with him. The story tells us that he was out in the field, and, and they were out in that field with this tyrant's shepherds. But all the while, David's men out with these shepherds would protect them and make sure that they were safe. So when it was time for a celebration, where they came and they, they started shearing the sheep, David decides, man, we've been protecting them. We're in need of some supplies. I'm gonna go ask. We should be friends. I've been protecting them. So that's where he sent his messenger, saying, hey, can you give us some provisions? And Nabal, being the crazy man that he was, the rude, ungodly, man, mean man that he was, says, absolutely not. Who is David? I don't care. Who cares? But the, and so David's like, okay, you don't care. Why should I have protected you? I'm just going to come take it myself. He says, man, if God doesn't, uh, uh, God be my witness. If I don't kill all of them by tomorrow this time, may God kill me. He was mad. Well, when the shepherds got wind of it, they're like, hey, we're about to die here. We, better, we need to go uh, f- find out uh, how to solve this situation. And they knew who to go to. Thank God for a woman. They knew that this wise, intelligent woman would meet their need and have the answer to their problem. I'm sure it wasn't the first time they had to plead their case to this woman. They went to her and said, hey, man, this is what happened. You got to do something about this. And I love this. It says in verse number 18 that Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, a bushel of roasted grain, 10 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She knew a way to a man's heart through food. Feed the guy, right? Get some food. We're going to go plead for mercy. So she packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go ahead and I'll follow you. She didn't tell her husband at the moment what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness. Nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he's repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one of his household is still alive tomorrow morning says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all the blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. She says, I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the men that you sent. Now my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. Here's a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong your entire life. We're almost done here. It says, even when you've chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he's promised and made you the leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. When the Lord has done these great things to you, please remember me, your servant. David then replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Please, thank God for a woman with good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. He accepted the present, and it goes on, he says, return home in peace, and he says, I've heard you, and I won't kill your husband. In verse number 36, this is coming to the end of the story, it says, when Abigail arrived home, she found out Nabal, her husband, he was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and he laid paralyzed on his bed like a stone and ten days later, he was struck down and he died. When David heard that he was dead, he said, praise the Lord, who's avenged the insult I received from Nabal and kept me from doing it myself. He received the punishment for his sin and he sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife." That sounds like a lifetime movie, right? God has the best stories. Y'all should read the Bible sometime. <laughs> he has the best stories. What are some things that we can learn real quick before we leave today from this story? We can learn a lot of things. There's a lot of things that you can find to say in this story. But the first thing that I, that I want to bring out that I feel like was super important that Abigail did was she listened. Abigail was a great listener now this isn't just for women in this place this is for men too this will make all of our lives better she listened hearing and listening are two totally different things she listened she didn't just hear she listened hearing is what your ears do listening is what your heart does you hear noise you can recognize sound with your ears but when you listen you're gathering information in order to help or to input or to contribute. Now you know this is true because you can be having dinner with your spouse. My spouse doesn't do this but I'm sure yours does. Um, (laughs) You can be having conversation uh, across the table and you can be in the middle of a story and you can tell somewhere along the line they've checked out, right? They get that glassed over look in their eyes. Right, and you're like, I know, in my head, I'm like t- still talking, I'm like, he is not even listening to me. And it's like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And so I'll stop and say, what did I just say? Oh, this wasn't him, this is your spouse. You say, what did I just say? And they say, uh, you, um, hmm, well, and they try to, you know, you were saying something about the kids? No, that was like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> right? Because they start, stopped listening and started hearing. You with your kids. You know your kids hear you because you are screaming. Your neighbors hear you. But they are not listening because they are not responding to what you're saying. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And I believe that uh, Abigail was a great listener. She listened in order to help. Uh, There was a quote I read. It says, ears give people the ability to hear. But listening gives people the ability to be here and to be present. This is so relevant in the day that we live in because not only are we distracted by the sounds in the room anymore, we're distracted by the thing that we hold in our hand. You can be having a conversation with your kid, you can be out to dinner with friends, and if your phone is sitting on the thing, you can be deep in conversation, but this little beep, beep, Whatever your phone little beep beep sounds like, some of you sounds like a cricket or a duck or an old-time phone, I don't know, a rock jam, uh, whatever your phone sounds like, as soon as that beeper goes off, immediately distraction comes. Immediately, the listening stops and we start focusing on something else. Ears give you the ability to hear, but listening gives you the ability to be here in the present. James chapter 1, verse number 19 It says, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. I believe that Abigail was able to change her whole destiny and the destiny of her family because she was quick to be a listener. Proverbs 18.13 says, he who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. Another translation says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. I found out in life that we just want to be heard, right? We want to be listened to. We want what we have to say to be valued. I think a lot of times our little kids act out, scream, and throw themselves in the floor, not just because they're bratty kids, but because they don't feel like they're being heard. And if we will stop and take the time to truly listen, we can solve a lot of stress and dysfunction in our lives by truly stopping and becoming listeners. The problem is we think we know. I can have conversations with my husband, and he can be having this conversation with me trying to tell me something, and I'll answer before he even asks. And he's like, wait, wait, I wasn't even going to ask you. I wasn't even going to say that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I thought you were. You should have because it was a great answer that I had prepared. <laughs> You should have asked the right questions because I had an amazing answer for that. But we are quick to answer, and we are a lot of times slow to listen. Should be the other way around. Uh, I think marriages, a lot of times we get in a bad, bad cycle because we don't truly listen before we speak. So when you speak out of a broken place, then I speak out of a broken place, we get in a bad, bad cycle instead of truly listening first. If we could stop and be determined just to count to 10 and listen, I believe our marriages can be stronger. Our our friendships can be stronger if we will be better listeners. Sometimes people are, are doing destructive things, acting out in ways that they shouldn't because they don't feel like anybody truly listens. Here at Celebration Church, I want us to be good listeners. You know, that we don't just look at the surface of someone, but we really, truly hear them out. We truly listen with our heart, not just with our ears. The second thing I believe that Abigail did right is that she spoke at the right time. And she spoke at the right time to the right people. It's not, uh, a lot of times it's not just what we say, it's when and how we say it that helps or will hurt the situation. I have, a, I have found out in my many years of marriage that it's not a good idea to bring up things that I think I want to talk about right before bed, or right before my husband has to preach, or right before he heads out the door to the work. It wasn't always a good idea for me to bring up some discipline issues with my kids on their way out the door to go to school or as soon as they came home from school. It's not so much what we say, timing is everything. That's why it's so important for us to be spirit led, not emotion led. A lot of times we respond or wanna talk out of emotion and not talk at the appropriate time being led by the peace of God and the spirit of God on the inside of us. What has complicated the, uh, the whole thing is we can text And we can call so quickly now. Back in the day, when the phone was attached to a cord to the wall, y'all don't know nothing about that, um, you had to wait until someone actually got home. If I was upset or frustrated, I couldn't just text someone and say, I'm really mad at you. What do you mean you wouldn't said this and you did that? I had time to cool down first because it took them a while. It's not just what we say. It's when we say it. We find in this story that when David's men came to Abigail complaining about how their master or upset about how their master had treated David and David was getting ready to come and kill them, Abigail didn't immediately go talk to her husband and say, hey, you fool, you jerk, what'd you just do? you just bringing destruction on us all. She waited till the right time. She didn't talk to him when he was drunk. She waited till he was sober. She didn't talk to him while he was irate and already angry. She waited for him to calm down. It was the appropriate time for the conversation. She didn't waste time arguing the situation. She said her words on purpose. I think we all could learn something from that. Why are we saying what we're saying? Why am I wanting to express this to you? Why am I wanting to share this information with you? Why am I want, wanting to point this out to you right now? If we would stop for a minute and ask ourselves, what am I saying, am I, and am I saying these things on purpose? Proverbs 10:19 It says, when words are many, sin is not lacking. So he, or she, who controls their speech is wise. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. If you want to be wise, start holding your tongue, controlling your speech. Yeah, but I just got to say it when I feel it. I just got to say it. You just know me. I have no filter. That's a stupid person. You're, you're, You're just exposing yourself. Stop it. A wise person... Someone can be standing in front of you saying all kinds of things about you and if you stand there look back and keep your mouth closed you are the wise one. I don't care what kind of things are saying about you how stupid it's making you feel at the time when you close your mouth you are the one considered wise. Proverbs 23:9 it says say nothing in the hearing of a foolish man for he will put no value on the wisdom of your words. So much of the time, we're trying to fix stupid people. You cannot fix stupid. We spend most of our time trying to talk people into not being stupid and not being foolish. But the more you talk wisdom to a foolish man, the more foolish you will seem. And the more angrier you will become. It says in another version, it says, don't respond to the stupidity of a fool. No, this, another version of this one, it says, don't bother talking sense to fools. They'll only poke fun at your words. They mock you. And you know when, you all know this is true. Because we've all tried to fix stupid people. And then they mock us. They stand there and they roll their eyes and they look at us like, yeah, hey, yeah, oh, yeah, ha, 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 Jesus freak, <laughs> right? Don't bother talking sense to fools, they'll poke fun at your words. Proverbs 26.4 says, don't respond to the stupidity of a fool, you'll only look foolish yourself. New Living says, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you'll become as foolish as they are. Listen, Facebook, Instagram, instead of responding and getting your, you're wise, I get it. You're smart. You're smarter than them. You're full of wisdom. I get that. I know that you are smart. I know that you are more intelligent than them. I 100% know that. But when we feel the obligation or that push to type something to try to set them straight, it only comes back to making us look stupid. It proves that we're not as smart as we think we are. So, she spoke at the right time. Thirdly, last one we're going to hit. She spoke life and wisdom into the situation. Listen, we all have the opportunity to do this on a daily basis. Our words are everything. I want you to say that. Say, my words are everything. It is so true. Your words are everything. The words you speak to your children are everything. The words that you speak to your spouse, everything. The, word to, the words that you speak to your coworkers, they're everything. The words that you speak to yourself, they're everything. Your words are like seeds. When you say them, they start growing. When you speak them, they start growing. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, Your tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love to talk will eat the fruit of their words. What are you growing with your words? Because you're experiencing in your life the fruit of your words. If you want your kids to act better, you cannot be calling them brats all day long. You can't be calling them brats. Uh, you know, tell them that they're stupid, or they can't do it, or or they're driving you crazy, or you wish you never had them. Those words that you feel so pressed to say in anger. If we ask, do you really mean that? No, I don't. But it comes out of you, and it comes out of you, and it starts sowing seeds into their life, and it starts producing what you're saying. So your child is active and running around and your your child is bossy and you know you wanna say everything negative, you need to start saying, hey, you know what? You're gonna be a great leader someday. You have an amazing ability to negotiate, <laughs> right? You got some great negotiating skills. You are awesome. You are God's gift to me. I'm thankful for you. You bless my life. You're an asset to our family. I'm so glad you were born. You're gonna be something great. You're working on your greatness right now. I know it may be hard, but it's, you can do it. Discipline is is what we're seeing in your life, and you're growing, and you're maturing, you're changing. Speaking life, speaking what you want to see. Your husband's not going to get off the couch as long as you're calling him a lazy bum who never does anything. And that I'd be better off without you. I can do this on my own. You're a jerk. That does not better your life. It is not working for you. It's growing something you don't want. So she spoke life and wisdom into the situation. Proverbs 16:24 says kind words are like honey or chocolate or you know whatever your preference is kind words are like honey sweet to the taste and good for your health kind words we can be kind you can still accomplish everything you need to accomplish with kindness you don't have to be mean you don't have to be pushy you don't have to shove people around You don't have to be stronger than anybody else. You can use your words and use your words of kindness. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause more anger. Abigail showed up with gracious words. When she approached David, she didn't come at him and say, Why are you going to kill my family? Please, please, please don't. No, she started speaking to the king inside of him. Her kind words then started turning things around. If you were to reread the story, she started reminding him of who God called him to be. That this rage, this isn't you. You're a kind man. God has gifted you to do something great. You're going to be a ruler one day. You're going to rule and reign and your enemies Man, they're going to be scattered and your enemies are going to turn on themselves and, and, and you're going to stand as the righteous king. She was speaking to the king in him. She reminded him of who he was called by God to be, that he was better than that. And because of her wise words, he looked at her and he said, thank God for this woman who spoke wisdom to me and stopped me from doing something I was about to do that I would regret my whole life. Let's use our words to speak into people's life on purpose. You know, I was looking at Abigail's life, and a lot of us can find ourselves in situations just like that. It would have been easy for Abigail just to be a victim to her mean husband, to her dysfunctional home, It would have been easy for her to say, I am am where I am because of where I am. And this is how it's always going to be. And to be frustrated and to get bitter in that place, but she didn't. She continued to be kind, even though anger and frustration and meanness was all around her. We find ourselves in situations like that where it would be easy to give up easy to become bitter, easy to feel hopeless, easy to just blame where we are on where we currently are. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe there's just been a lot of dysfunction going on in your world. Maybe you're not living with a mean man, but you feel like everything around you is against you. And it's hard to hold your head up, but you can be just like this woman. You can be a great listener. You can speak at the right time to the right people, and you can speak life into the situations around you. Instead of talking about the bad and continuing to expose the faults, start beginning to speak of the good future. We need to be reminded of the good things and remind each other of the good things. You in this room are anointed to do great things. You're not here today by accident. You're not alive today by accident. God just didn't throw a bunch of cards up in the air and yours happened to fall in the right place at the right time. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And we as the church are here to help discover what that purpose is. God has a greater purpose than you just to live life and have a job and, you know, try to put food on the table and, pay your mortgage payment and somehow squeeze in a vacation somehow god wants your life to matter he's created your life to matter you as a man and you as a woman have been given great influence in your world not just this world but your individual world we all live in the big world but then we're individually placed in a smaller world It includes your family, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a a, a child, maybe an employee, employer, your job. You're in a world, and God wants you to influence that world in a godly way, and he's empowered you and he's gifted you to do it. I don't know how. God has gifted you and empowered you to do it. And you just happen to be in the right place at the right time because we have plenty of opportunities to connect you to God's purpose for your life, not just to work in the church, but to take what you learn in the church and affect your world individually because that is what it's all about. God did not give you those kids just for a tax deduction and extra gray hair. He gave you those kids to pour your life, your God-honoring, God-fearing life, into them so they can pour it into the next generation and the next generation and we can be influencers of Jesus Christ on this earth until Jesus Christ returns you are empowered today to do that if you want more information on man how do I discover who I am and I I just happen to walk in this place I don't even know what I'm called and gifted to do I just wake up every morning go to bed every night and stress out about it connect with one of our dream teamers They'll connect you with our Discover course. They'll connect you with our next steps here at Celebration. You were not created to do life alone. You were not. This isn't about building a church. It's about the church building you. It's not about us building Celebration Church. It's about building the kingdom of God in you, empowering you to be everything God's called you to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your empowerment, your anointing, your goodness in our life. God, I believe in this place today. You're moving in our hearts. God, as we make adjustment, God, we choose to be good listeners, not just with our ears, just to hear, but with our heart in order to understand. God, that we have the wisdom to speak life into the people around us, the right place at the right time with the right God words. God, I ask, Lord, in this room that we discover who you've called us and created us to be, that you created us to be mighty in your kingdom. God, I thank you for health in people's lives, for restoration in their hearts. God, that you truly do heal the brokenhearted today. God, that you heal homes, that you heal relationships. God, that you heal us so we can bring healing to the world around us. God, we open up our heart to you today. If you've never received Jesus today and received the gift of salvation, just in this moment as we have our head bowed and our eyes closed, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, new life comes to them, the ability to live the God life. So, Father, today, right now, in Jesus' name, we open up our hearts to you. God, we confess. We say out of our mouth, we need you. God, today we need you. We need your help. God, we call on you. God, today we make a decision to let Jesus be our Lord. We receive him as our Savior and we allow him to be our Lord. We want to do things your way. God, we give you thanks for that. God, I pray in this room that you bless every mom. God, bless every woman. As we mentor the next generation, God, in whatever stage of life we find ourselves, God, we ask for your wisdom, wisdom that only God can bring. We ask for wisdom, God, to get through the loss of a child. God, we ask for wisdom as we navigate life without our mom here on earth. God, we ask for wisdom. God, as we're trying to get pregnant and our body's not functioning like it's supposed to, we believe for health restoration, wholeness. God, we believe you're giving us wisdom to parent our two-year-old and our 18-year-old. God, wisdom to parent our 45-year-old. God, I believe that you're bringing about restoration in homes. God, you're turning the hearts of the fathers and the mothers to the hearts of the children and the hearts of the children to us. God, we believe God, the kingdom of God will be seen in our hearts and our lives. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we go ahead and. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to slash give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.